1: Happy to have you with us for episode number 26 of From the Braves Booth, our uh, our little podcast where we can talk uh, some Braves baseball with you, and we appreciate you all being out there and sending your questions in alongside Joe Simpson and our producer-engineer Jonathan Chadwick. Ben Ingram here with you. And, Joe, we're coming to uh, our listening audience from Chase Field here this afternoon. We're about to see the Braves take on the Diamondbacks in the second game of this series. Disappointing game last night, but hopefully this is a road trip where the Braves can come away with a winning record. You see some teams that you feel like you're supposed to beat, but at the same time, they might look at the Braves and say the same thing about where we are right now. Right.
2: Braves have a losing record. Same thing applies. And the diamondbacks are actually a team that's playing a lot better than they ever did last year and got off to a good start. And we talked about this last night, that if you take the Dodgers out of the equation for, uh, Arizona, they have a winning record. So they're no slouch. And, uh, we're going to see a couple of good pitchers over the next two days and Madison Bumgarner tomorrow afternoon, especially, uh, Last night, going back to what you said, a disappointing game. Braves should have won that game two to nothing. Instead, uh, a pair of innings where they gave up two-out runs, three-run homer and then three runs after two routes where in both cases, the inning should have been over with any kind of decent defensive play plays that weren't made.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. Our email address is uh, bravesbooth at gmail.com. So fire away with your emails anytime. Any questions you might have that have everything to do with baseball or absolutely nothing to do with baseball, feel free to fire them our way, bravesbooth at gmail.com. I I used last night as uh, an example of something we've said so many times where it's great to see the home run balls, great to see the beginning and big bases with runners in scoring position but step one for this team for any team to win at this level pitching and defense and you had two defensive lapses last night they didn't go down as official errors but in between the years they're errors and i think the players that committed them would say the same thing and even just one hiccup like that or two in this case like last night that can cost you a game and uh, at this point of the
2: season with the Braves struggling to try to get back to 500, uh, cut into that Mets lead, Uh, those runs are vitally important, as was proven last night. Every win is very important because right now the Mets are running off and leaving everybody, including Atlanta. The deficit, as we talk right now, is nine and a half games. Uh, the Braves were never that far behind in the division last year when they came back to win it. But uh, let's face it, the Mets are a better ball club. And they've got a manager who's doing a pretty good job
1: with them, at least in my view. I mm-hmm, think so. And it makes me wonder, you know—what is what is is realistic for this ball club right now? What should our expectations be? And tonight will be the 50th game of the season. So we're a pretty good chunk into the season. As we come into tonight, the Braves are 23 and 20. Currently, nine and a half games back of New York. New York's 33 and 17. They're inventing new ways to win every single night. Yeah. They just have that it factor right now. And my, my question is. And this is really weird to say because of what we experienced last season because this team was doing this last year and found a way in the final two months of the season, got into the postseason, won the whole thing. The team they were chasing last year versus the team they're chasing this year, two completely different teams. There's no, no doubt about that. No question about it.
2: The Mets are a better ball club and they're a veteran ball club. You know, they've added Starling Marte. They've added Max Scherzer. Uh, there's somebody else whose name I can't come up with at the moment. Uh, Chris Bassett. Chris Bassett from um, from Oakland. They've got veteran guys now who know how to stem the tide if they get into a little bit of a slump. Uh-huh. They don't let it slide very far. This is not a young – the Mets are not a young, inexperienced team, and they've got a, a – big league manager who's been there before.
1: And, and I don't want to give up hope on the division yet. I feel like the Braves could get hot and, and who knows what happens with the Mets. But if we see another month of the same thing, I know there's a lot of season to go after July the 1st. But, but if we get to July the 1st and this is still what we're seeing, it's going to be hard not to pivot my expectation to, well, you got to hope for a wild card spot. That might be your only way in.
2: Let me uh, remind you and all the other fans out there are thinking, okay, so we've won four straight division titles, and maybe this isn't our year to extend that to five straight seasons, so we'll just settle for a wild card. Not so fast. Yeah. You know, there's some good teams out west, that, not just the Dodgers, uh, but the Giants um, are, are playing pretty good baseball. They're going to be a team that's going to have wild-card expectations. Um, San Diego. San Diego, certainly, when they get Tatis back, they're going to be a much better ball club. The Cardinals are a good team. They've got a better record right now than the Braves do, and they're in the Central Division. So it's not like, oh, you can just uh, throw your
1: cards in and say, okay, well, we'll settle for a wild-card. That may not be available. Right. I mean, as it stands right now, the Braves are four games back of the last wild card slot. Right now, the wild cards would be the Padres, the Cardinals, and the Giants. Three and a half games back, these guys, Arizona. Wow, and then there's the Braves. So if you get to that point, if you, let's say you get to um, well, let's say you get to mid-July and you're still in the same spot, you, you could be in a situation where the Mets are too far out in front, and then you look at the wild card and say, "Yeah, it's doable." But look at all the teams we have to climb over just to get there. Yeah. So you're in a position right now where you just can't get any further buried. And we we highlighted this on the last podcast how this is probably this this month here in the month of June probably the most favorable portion of the entire schedule it is and if you continue to tread water through this month what does that say about how tough things could be in july august and september
2: well we're 11 games into this stretch we're six and five yeah so that'll tell you something right there that's why that game last night cannot be an example of things to come it's got to be kind of the uh odd game uh, off off the records in terms of how the Braves are going to play. They've got to play better baseball, and as you said, it starts with pitching and defense. I thought Spencer Strider pitched
1: a great game, and he should have had a shutout when he came out. Uh Uh-huh and you hate that for him. The good news is, and and this is just for right now, this could change by the time we see him again, but this has been a revolving door already for this spot in the rotation. You're looking for some consistency. You're looking for an answer. And no matter what the final score said last night, I got my answer last night, at least for that next turn for Spencer. I want to see him back out there. I think he can grow upon what he did. I thought his changeup was outstanding. Very good. Best we've seen out of him. Um, and, And if he can fill that spot and continue to get better, if you're talking about the first factor in that equation, pitching and defense, I like where the pitching is, at least in the rotation, if Spencer continues to get better. And I like where the other guys are. I mean, you might you might want to see Charlie kick it in and uh, do what he did in the second half of the season, start doing that. But I think they have a rotation that can win them games. You just got to do all the other little things that go along with pitching.
2: I agree with you. I, and I think the rotation as it's set up right now, the personnel, I think, is is good enough to win it. I really do uh they proved that last year uh, the bullpen uh with the injury to magic that kind of upset the apple card a little bit uh let's hope that some of the roles guys get settled into uh or become more comfortable uh you know will smith um i think he's got about a three and a half era and He's having to adjust. Right. You know, he was the closer. He was the ninth inning guy all year last year and did a phenomenal job. And now he's asked to be a setup guy. Well, is that in the eighth inning or is that the seventh inning? When am I going to be used? How am I going to be used? So there's an adjustment period here for him, too, um, that is not that easy. It sounds easy, but it's not. So let's, I, I know we're at game 50. Uh, Kenley Jansen's done a great job. He's closing games as we hoped he would. But uh, let's give everybody else a chance uh, to settle into roles that had once been occupied by
1: Luke Jackson and um, Tyler Matson. Yeah. That's why this month is so big, in my opinion, for. The uh, success or failure for the rest of your season. You've got some some of those guys settling into roles. You just brought up Michael Harris. He's 21 years old. He's played three games in center field. I want to see him out there and just let him go catching. I I think that helps you so much. And while we're talking about that, is it time to just let Acuna run in right field? Because if you have him in right field last night, Duvall's in left field last night, you don't give up that three-run home run in the first inning. No, you don't. So you're so much better defensively, and we're talking about pitching and defense. Uh, I said this last night. I don't want to pick on Marcel, but but he's not the defender that he once was. He is not your third, fourth, or maybe even fifth best option out there defensively. He's in there for his stick. That's why he's great for the DH. Uh, but but you could put out a, a uh, an outfield. That can be really, really good. It's yeah. just a matter of Acuna being out there regularly.
2: Uh, I, I agree. Uh, Marcel is a DH at this point in his career, and uh, I can't help but think that that's why he was signed to a multi-year contract was um, because it was anticipated that the DH was coming to the National League and he would fit that role beautifully with the Braves, which he does. Right. Um I, and lately, he's, he's hit the ball really yeah, well. I don't want to see him in left field. You know, barring an injury, barring uh, or somebody really needs a day off and needs to DH, whether it's Duvall or Acuna, um, okay. You know, I, I reluctantly say okay but I don't want to see him in left field personally I want to see him DH every
1: night. And I go to some of the offensive struggles that the team has had um, obviously Adam Duvall has been towards the top of that list and you keep waiting on him to kick it in and we all know what he's capable of it's been great to see Dansby find the stretch that he has found and kind of climb out of that uh, that, that cold spell that he was in but aside from all that before I even and you tell me if, if I'm off, off base here I'm not saying go win every single ball game 2-1 to one, but if you have that outfield out there just about every single night along with this pitching, I think your defense can be so good that you can weather some of these cold stretches by some of these bats and win some 3-1 to games, some 2 to nothing games. I think your pitching and defense can be that good and really kick in and, and, and start to make up for some of the lapses that we've seen with some of the sticks that guys not putting up numbers that we thought they'd put up. We're not, and I don't think you're off base,
2: uh, by the way. I um it's too early to say okay well we've just we've got to go with the hot hand you know we're in the dog days of August and we've got to really go to the whip here we're not there yet but William Contreras is swinging the bat great yeah I know we're only carrying two catchers but um you put him in left field you'd certainly uh take a step back defensively but with his bat Right now, it's kind of hard to take him out of the lineup. He's not in there again tonight, um, but Acuna is in the outfield, so that's that's one of the reasons why. But uh, if you need to give Duvall two days off, for example, uh, I wouldn't hesitate to put Contreras out there mm-hmm. and uh, take the lumps that he might provide uh, defensively, use his bat, uh, I might even be tempted to put somebody at first base, Arcia, or somebody mm-hmm. to give Olson a day off against a lefty. I don't know if Kyle Freeland's going to pitch for Colorado. He came out of a game his last time out with a sore foot. But if he's in the rotation in Colorado, I
1: might give Olson a day off there can't imagine how frustrated he must be Uh, he he made uh, he he couldn't catch the the ball from him from Dansby last night that would have been a double play that gets you out of the inning he is loading up on doubles I mean he's out to an incredible pace with doubles he's on pace to set a new franchise record with doubles and he's got to be thinking why don't these things come when they're guys on base I mean he's had opportunity you think about last night he comes to the plate with men on base nothing happens for him two innings later he doubles nobody on base and I feel like we've seen that about 15-16 times this year. Yeah,
2: a lot. We've seen that a lot and I know that is a real frustration for a guy who's a tremendous run producer at least in his history. His bubblegum card will tell you that, but um, there are some things in his swing right now that I I notice that um, I think he could probably shorten up and enhance a little bit. Um, There's a a saying for anybody that's that knows baseball uh for a hitter taking his hands with him uh he holds his hands way out away from his body and he likes to bring his hands up high and come down on the ball but sometimes uh quite often i've noticed that when he takes his stride his hands go forward before they go up and back well that's a lot of movement yeah, trying to catch up to this 95-plus gas that we're seeing every night. So um, there's just little things like that that I think he's not that far off that if he can just kind of shorten it up, shorten his swing up, uh, he'll be fine. But, boy, just think if we get him and Duvall going in the run production area. Uh, Adam, right. Adam doesn't have to hit 300. He doesn't have to hit 250. He can hit two twenty if he
1: wants, uh-huh.
2: but uh, drive in those runs.
1: That's the thing too. If you, if you got to do all at two twenty five and you got Olson at two fifty, given how we know they can drive in runs, you get that. I and mean, all that offense is going to look really good. Uh, I, I wish those guys
2: uh, could see what Dansby is doing, or notice what he's doing, and even the swing by Riley last night, who hit the ball almost into the swimming pool in right center, uh, hands inside the baseball thinking more up the middle, Dansby in particular, yeah. and right field. Uh, Riley's still uh, prone to try to pull some pitches, but right now that's all I see Adam trying to do, pull everything, chasing breaking balls away from him, down in a way that are bad pitches, trying to pull everything. And uh, at some point, uh, hopefully he will start thinking middle away, middle of the plate away, and driving the ball.
1: All right, let me ask you this question because I've never stood in a box down there. Is it easier for Dansby to do? Is he being pitched differently than Adam or are they pitched the same way and Dansby just made a better adjustment than Adam has?
2: Well, Dansby's a great fastball hitter. So he can trust his hands and think about staying inside the baseball and think right center field because he's so good on fastballs, he can still turn on a ball in right. the inner third. We've seen him do it time and again. But these guys, it's not like they got slow bats. I mean, Adam Duvall, he can crush fastballs. Uh-huh. So, but, yeah. you, but you got to get it in your head that you can trust your hands to react instead of trying to make your hands and body do something before you
1: even really see the pitch. Because it's not like he has not had success going the other way. He hit the grand slam the other way in the World Series last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen them with power to all fields. Right,
2: right, but that's that comes from trust. That comes from knowing that your hands are going to react, that you're quick enough to react, as opposed to trying to get your body to help you be quicker on pitches that, again, you, you haven't even seen them out of the hand yet. You're already starting.
1: Uh-huh. Well, like we said, tonight is game number 50. And we're happy to see game number 50, happy that we didn't get killed by a foul ball last night, mm-hmm. which whizzed right in between our two heads uh, in last night's game. J-Chad's got the ball. You got it now. Oh, here's another one. <laughs> <Look out. laughs> That's about how loud it was. Uh, whew, that one almost got us too. j J-Chad tweeted the picture of the ball last night it's got a mega scuff mark on that thing mm-hmm. really. i'm glad it's a mark from the for Micah back here <laughs> yeah. and, and not from your not my head yeah man that, that was i've had multiple people text me and say you got to make a play on that brother that thing was coming in i ain't getting 100 miles an hour that thing was red hot coming in here last night. It was
2: a heat-seeking missile. Yeah, I know. And, I'm you know, out of here. And the hottest guy in the booth, of course, is Jonathan. So Right. It uh, almost Mount got him. to him. Yeah, it was coming for him. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. there's joy in every journey.
1: Well, our email address is bravesbooth at gmail.com. We're happy to take your questions. I you know J. Chad's going to jump in here with us because we have a ton of great questions. By the way, you, you guys out there, uh, number one, you listen from all over the world. It really is amazing. It, it blows us away to, to see some of the uh, the places that these emails come from. And number two, you just can't convince me that there's a fan base with a more intelligent uh, baseball knowledge. than The people who listen to our show, we get some incredible questions every single week and it's just a blast to get to these i'm looking at one two three four pages front and back filled with questions we'll never get to all these in this show we'll do our best but we really appreciate you taking the time to email us and and send us your questions and your comments it means a lot to us so
2: yeah we're, we're we're fired up we appreciate all the uh complimentary comments we get you know some of them aren't even questions they're just people that take the time to send in an email to say they enjoy listening to the broadcast and the podcast and uh, that goes a long way with us we really feel like we're doing some things right when you say that uh and we really appreciate ben and i do when you include jonathan in that because um we're not on the air without him we're not having fun unless he's here that's so right that it,
1: it, it goes right along with that i was on the elevator uh this morning Uh, leaving the hotel, and there was a Braves fan on the elevator, and he looked at me and said, you're not a player, are you? I said, no, no, no. I'm a broadcaster. And he said, I I know you. I listen to to you and Joe and J-Chad all the time. He said, my wife and I live in Salt Lake City. This is the closest the Braves come, so we come down here every single year, but we listen to you guys all the time. And I love hearing stuff like that. Me too. It's really cool. And uh, it's fun to know that you're all out there and taking the time to communicate with us. So let's go ahead and jump into these questions. We have to start with this very first question from Melanie, because this Is a tough answer. Uh, Melanie says, if one member of the radio booth had to take a foul ball off the chin, who would you sacrifice? And I started thinking to myself, well, you know, when we're at home, Doug Lehman, he he brings the food into the press box for us. He's our our booth attendant, he's amazing. maybe Doug Lehman maybe that's my answer I, I, sorry Doug I, <laughs> I don't mean to sacrifice a pretty you, good call <laughs> yeah. well what about when it comes to the three of us oh man oh
2: uh, you Jonathan you're, you're, you're getting the one on the chin
3: I would expect it I mean look we are on radio so uh, you know if somebody comes in here with a shiner one day it's not really going to matter there's not going to be a camera on us but I think I would probably tend to agree that if someone in here is going to take one off the chin it's going to be me but you know why because you wouldn't go
2: down. No, I would not You just you just kind of rub it just for a second, like oh, I forgot to shave this morning,
1: <laughs> and that'd be it. Because if it hits one of us, we're we're gonna <laughs> uh, we're gonna sound like Michael Corleone with his jaw wired <laughs> <Yeah>, shut. <showing>. right. <laughs> There's a <spectacle>.
3: I'm just <laughs> glad that <laughs> that ball that whistled in here last night. If it would have been about eight inches higher, it would have destroyed my laptop. Yeah. And uh, we need my laptop to be on the air. Seriously, what happens if that screen gets taken out? Do we get knocked off the air? yeah
1: that's what would happen
3: yeah i mean wow. I, sometimes i travel two laptops just in case currently on this trip i don't have my second laptop with me yeah, cause but how can
1: you anticipate losing a laptop so for people at
3: home at that don't know like so i mix the game digitally on a laptop so uh we need this most guys have like an actual board in front of them i do everything on a laptop at least when we're on the road no laptop no
1: game
2: well the good thing about it if it had hit it it's a Dell computer Uh and we really stand by Dell equipment because it can take a hit and keep on ticking yeah it can Dell equipment we highly recommend (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this is from uh, Ron Ron says we're past the quarter point of the season I'm starting to think the Braves are who they are give me some hope please I think we just did, Ron. I think um, we talked about this ball club. We didn't talk about needs or any of that stuff, and uh, other than just playing better defense and getting pitching and defense, um, but. The one, the one thing that they have to do—if you want to call it a need—they do have to, they have to do a better job of driving in runs when they get them in scoring position. Mm-hmm. So there's hope, and you, if you read any account from any uh, writer or broadcaster across the country, nobody's given up on the Braves. Everybody keeps saying they're too good to be where they
3: are, and we feel the same way. I think what I would say as far as hope goes, you don't want to count on what happened last year happening again but there's 110 games left so there's plenty of time for something to turn around Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: this is from Aaron could either of the three of you beat Brian Jordan in an arm wrestling match I I say absolutely no oh no all three of us could all three of us at the same time? Yeah, yeah. I like our chances then.
3: Yeah, all three of us at once. We could take him. I saw Brian walking down Camelback yesterday, uh-huh. the road, and he was in you know workout clothes. He looks like he could still play middle linebacker He's in the NFL right
1: yeah. now. Yeah, he does. He really does. He was he play, He was a what a safety in the NFL. Yeah,
2: and that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> he told me a funny story the other day. I heard him telling a story about when Brett Favre was a Falcon. Uh huh and Brett was running the scout team. He said he threw the ball so hard like on past plays, that Dion and I just – we didn't even try to intercept them or knock them <laughs> down because it hurt. <laughs>
1: really? Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when we talk about Dion. we should talk about BJ as much as we talk about any of these other two-sport athletes. I mean, you can go both ways and, and, and make it to the NFL and the big leagues. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. This
3: comment comes from Colin. He said, I really miss Joe when he isn't there. I think Ben and Joe have the best chemistry of any booth in baseball – TV or radio. That goes a long way over the course of a long season. Braves fans are lucky to have you, and I hope you two are paired together for a long time. Colin, I could not agree more. Thank I you, miss, I miss Joe when he's gone, too. Very nice of you, Colin. Thank
2: you. We hope for the same things. Much appreciated.
1: Well, we love the game. I think that's why we have such a good time. Wins, wins are going to happen. Losses are going to happen. But it's just great to be together and, and uh, call the game every night.
3: I told you, I hope my wife doesn't listen to this podcast, but I told Joe Sunday when he got back to join <laughs> us, he walked in the booth and I gave him a big hug and I said, is it like bad that I get more excited to see you after being oh. off for a week? <laughs> Not really, Margaret Ann, not really.
2: Huh. He's he's teasing. I'm teasing. Uh this is some Randy. As I write this, the Braves are nine and a half games behind the Mets. Well that's today. The Mets don't seem to be showing any signs of slowing down, even without Scherzer and DeGrom and McGill out of the rotation. In other words, they don't seem like the Mets this season. How much stability has Buck Showalter brought to Queens? And when should the Braves, when should the Braves realistically start focusing on getting one of the wild cards? Thanks, Randy. Good question. Uh, I'll go first, and I think Buck Showalter is a very uh, steadying influence. He's a veteran influence, so those guys are going to trust him and believe in him because he's been there and done that. But I'll go back to what I said earlier. This is a different Mets team. It's a veteran team,
1: and as such, they're not going to wilt. Yeah, I think the only thing that you might be concerned about if you're a New York fan is do all those guys remain healthy once we get into August, September, everybody worries about that. Uh, but especially when you have a veteran-laden roster, I and mean, you get into August, September, and who knows what happens with the injuries. But, um, yeah, I, I think you still keep your focus on them, and you, you hope that you can get in, whether that's a wild carded division winner. But I don't want to give up on that right now. But I can completely understand the concern because I'm concerned, to be quite honest.
3: Sure, I, I would say, too, I mean, look, the goal is to win the division every year. Uh, if it doesn't happen and you get in via wild card, it is what it is. But as far as r- when you should realistically start focusing on a wild card, when you're mathematically eliminated from winning it.
2: Yeah, uh, that's exactly right, Jonathan. And and then the point is just get in the tournament and hope you get hot
1: and see what happens from there. Who is your favorite member of the Dixie Chicks? This is from Sarah. Marty McGuire. Marty, is that one of the members?
2: yeah of course okay marty's one of the sisters okay she's not the cousin that uh natalie is that her name natalie means i okay she seems mean too (laughs) but uh no marty and her sister um flank the lead singer right uh typically gosh those girls are talented though all the instruments they play right Man, oh, man. But I, I think Marty's pretty
1: hot. Well, we got to your uh, – the, the reason Dixie Chicks have come up in recent broadcasts is because anytime the other team is shifting and, and the right side or the left side, of which case it may be, is wide open, wide open spaces, mm-hmm. which you've just turned into three men on the left side of the infield and Dixie Chicks on the right. Yeah. Which That's, makes plenty of
3: sense. I think everybody
2: understands and knows that.
1: Yeah. You know? That's good.
3: Speaking of Dixie Chicks, this question comes from Kevin. What was Joe's walk-up song in the Majors, and what would it be today? My guess is Dixie Chicks. Oh, <laughs> no, probably not.
1: It, I, it, I know what yours would be. What would it? ZZ Top? Yeah, it would. Yeah. It's hard to beat a good guitar riff walking yeah, up and Yeah, probably uh, Sharp dress Man. Yeah, that'd be that'd be killer. Mm-hmm. Well, they've got a bunch of selections you could run with. I, yeah. I, I've, you know, some of these, I don't want to be, I don't want to sound like I'm, uh, not up to date on on current music i love music uh, from all genres but man some of these walk-up musics these horrible walk-up songs oh, horrible oh my gosh uh, they're putting some help
2: d- some of the ballparks i noticed they did it in miami and they do it here uh when the guy comes up for his first at bat they're posting what their walk-up song is and who sings it uh-huh. and i'm like no i'm glad they put it up there because i didn't have a clue all right <laughs> not that that's a shock to anyone but uh maybe we should start. do they do that at Truist
1: park i don't think so a, I haven't noticed it's that. It's a good idea. It's a great
2: idea.
3: Sometimes yeah. uh, on Fridays or Saturdays at Truist Park, they'll do uh, for BP, like, uh, say, Dansby's playlist or Ozzy's playlist right, or something right. like that. I know they've done that in the past, but yeah. Yeah. as far as putting something up on the board when they come to uh, the plate, I don't, I don't yeah. think that they Dansby do. Dansby goes
1: heavy on the Atlanta rappers. I like when he comes to the plate to outcast. I love Austin Riley coming out to Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme. I think mm-hmm. that's ri- that's fun. Yeah. It's very original Yeah, with the glass shattering and – Of course, it's Austin coming up with a plate. That's perfect. Uh, Here's a
2: good one. I like this one from Patricia. If you all could pick only one guy, who is the nicest player you see away from the field that
3: takes time to say hello? I I bet we've got different guys. I'll go. The first one that comes to mind for me, who's always super friendly, is uh, Travis Darnot. Got my guy.
1: Yeah, that would be a tough one to beat. Um, I'll probably go with Austin. We've had some good, but you know we're from the same place, so we've got that in common and chat about stuff happening back home and things like that. Um, Is that question just for Braves or all of Major League Baseball? I think just the Braves. Just Braves. Okay.
2: I um, I would add another guy. And I was at lunch in Miami, at our hotel and several of the players had their wives and girlfriends there and this particular player walked by with his uh, girlfriend and I didn't see him coming, came from behind me and kind of patted me on the shoulder and said hello as he walked by and that's Ozzy Albies.
1: Yeah, Ozzy's always great. Always. Uh Always Ozzy will say hello to you. Yeah. I think if you'd asked me that a few years ago, I'd have said Charlie Culberson. He was about the top of the list. No doubt. Uh, When he was in Atlanta. No doubt.
2: Yeah, he'd be in our top five
1: Mm -hmm. all time. Mm Um, This is an interesting question because I I saw this question and I texted just to make sure. I checked in with uh, Franco Garcia on this. This is from Justin Smith in Hartsell, Alabama. And he says, what do you guys think about all the yellow accessories that have been added over the last couple of years? Do you know if there's a list of, of approved colors for such things? If so, why in the world yellow? Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. And if you notice with this ball club, you have Ronald Acuna and William Contreras that wear yellow spikes yellow uh, elbow guards and whatever wristbands so i reached out to franco and i said can you ask these guys about this for me because what i had heard is is that the venezuelan players like to do it because the team colors are red and blue and they're their venezuelan flag is red blue and yellow so it, it's the three colors of their uh their mm-hmm. country's flag using their uniform so i reached out to franco i said is, is that true and he said it might be true he said I, I think william got all of his yellow stuff as hand-me-down gear from ronald yeah i said so does ronald basically just likes the colors like that's what i think so there are a couple different theories about that um obviously ronald has that bright yellow car so he, he, he loves the color. Um, and, and he wears it all over his uniform. So whether that's to match the Venezuelan flag or he just likes the color yellow, it's something along those lines. You know, it used to be,
2: uh, here's the old guy, uh, that the uniform rule, there was there was a picture posted in the clubhouse right. of your team's uniform and colors, regardless of how you wore your pants or socks, it didn't matter, but the colors. And you weren't allowed to wear anything other than that pitchers certainly never allowed to wear a white sleeve uh but not even allowed to wear a yellow sleeve you you were supposed to wear whatever the sleeve of choice was for your team in this case typically navy uh not even red uh so you know we've departed from a lot of customary things like that and, um, rule oriented stuff that nobody pays attention to anymore. So I would say to that, uh, writer that, um,
1: it's just, they do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Well, what it used to be was your uniform was every article of clothing you are wearing top to bottom. I mean, think about the word uniform, what that means. Mm-hmm. Everybody's the same. Now the uniform has become your pants, your, your uni top and your hat outside of that it's as if you can do whatever you want with your sleeves your socks your spikes your glove etc it's almost as if we've, we've created a, a line of demarcation between all the accessories and the actual uniform I, I think that's probably true yeah yeah uh
2: who had the cleanest pants last night after the game after the foul ball almost <laughs> took out ben and j chad I think you probably did. Yeah, uh, I, would, I would
3: say Joe. I would, you know, I'll, I'll say this, though. Typically, when I come to the ballpark every day, I bring a spare pair of clothes just in case you never know what's going to happen. Uh-huh. And it's a good thing. I had the spare pair last night.
1: <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad you had that big towel back there, too. Yeah. Watching the video, and we, we've got the video. We put that out there on the, the Braves Radio Network Twitter and such. The best part, there's, there's my two favorite parts. Number one, when the ball hits the countertop behind you and me, Joe, the one that, that J. Ched's sitting at, he has a big jump. Mm-hmm. You know, he just hears the loud racket. Mm-hmm. And then also on the other side of the wall for me... There's a, uh, a lady who's with the media, and she's hitting the deck on her side of the wall and didn't even go into her booth. So everybody around us is hitting the deck. I'm trying to turn out of the way, and then watching Jay's head uh, jump when the ball hit the countertop was hilarious. It's funny now because everybody's okay. We can yeah. laugh about it now. would not have been funny if somebody had taken that right in the mouth.
2: No, gosh, no. Let's not even think about that. It was, uh, it was as hard as I've ever seen one come into a booth and that includes working at old tiger stadium where we were you know
1: you got them all the time there 45 50 feet from home plate
2: Uh it
3: was scary this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds.
1: Um, This is from Tracy, and Tracy says, I heard you mention during Sunday's game that no player has entered the Hall of Fame as a Marlin, even though some have played as a Marlin and eventually went to the Hall of Fame later. It made me wonder, do players select which team they want represented on their Hall of Fame plaque, or is it based off their stats with a specific team? That's from Tracy in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. That's a great question.
2: I've often wondered the same thing, Tracy, because uh, there are guys who have had great parts of their career with. Different teams. Greg Maddox comes to mind. You know, he won a ton of games with the Cubs. He won a ton of games with the Braves. Which hats he gonna wear? And uh and I'm not sure I know. So but I think I think they asked the player, but then it's kind of the decision of the Hall of Fame.
3: Didn't Maddox go in without a logo?
1: Correct. And and okay. there there are multiple players. I think there's a dozen players who have gone in without a logo on their cap um i know that major league baseball was forced to intervene a few years back because there are teams marlin's a great example that obviously would love the publicity of having someone go in with their logo on the hat so there are players who are going in that maybe played with five or six different teams that teams are going to them and saying what do you want we'll give you whatever you want so long as you choose us and major league baseball had to intervene because they didn't want it becoming a bidding process um I think about, and I can't remember, I think it was Andre Dawson. Andre Dawson went in as an expo, and you could have made the argument that he could have gone in as a cub or an expo. He finished his career, I want to say, uh, no, i take that back. I think he finished with Boston, but I think he played a year or two with Miami. Yeah, he did. He's from Florida. I think they went to him and said, what can we do to make you go in as a Marlin? I want to say, and if I'm wrong, I apologize for that, but I think he was the player where the Marlins were trying to say, what, what can we do to get you in wearing our logo? Gary Carter's another great example. Uh-huh. Um, he went in as an expo, could have gone in as a Met, um, multiple players like that. But I think Major League Baseball, uh, or at least the Hall of Fame, ask the player but I think it has to be I think that selection has to be approved by the league now agreed I think
2: that's right too Uh,
1: and some of them are are no doubters I mean uh, uh, you might have a guy that played 10 years with one team and then two years with another team. Well, obviously, he's going in with a team that he spent 10 years with, whatever it may be. Uh, but I think there's an approval process now that you don't have teams that can bargain with a player to have them go on with their cap logo. Uh,
3: this question comes from Hunter. He said, what are your thoughts on the Jock Peterson, Tommy Fam kerfuffle? And if you have the number one overall pick in your fantasy draft this fall, who are you taking? <laughs>
2: hmm. I... I... I would have to go back and look and think about that i thought fam was so far out of line to cross over into a team warming up you know to go over and right. take up something that had been bothering you since december or whenever it occurred you know <sighs> To me, it's almost like a guy who says, "Okay, I've got all these play people around me. They won't let it be a real bad fight. Yeah, so I'll have protection. Right? You know, it was just out of line. You know, save it
1: for some other time. Sure. I thought it was ridiculous because." Jock Peterson is asked about all these things, all these accusations from Tommy Pham, and he disproves them all. He brings up basically the receipts of the whole exchange. He brings up the text conversation. He showed us the GIF that he was talking, which is absolutely hilarious, hysterical. Because the the GIF is exactly what happened to the Padres last year. Mm-hmm. They blew it. Yeah, and and for Tommy Pham to. I don't know the the angle that he took. On, it's like he's been watching too many movies or something. It, it, he's messing with my money, and he said some disrespectful things about my teammate. No, he didn't. You've been in clubhouses your entire right, life. Right. You know the difference in disrespect. And ag- there was no disrespect there. Didn't Tommy? You're Pham- looking for something. Didn't he want to fight somebody else earlier this
2: Luke year? Luke
3: Voigt.
1: Yeah, Luke Voigt. Oh yeah, for the collision at home plate. And I'm not saying Tommy's not a tough guy. He is. I mean, yeah. I don't. Nobody wants to mix it up with that guy. But don't turn what that was into what you said that it was. That, that, that was ridiculous. And I, and I think it made it a lot funnier that it was Jock because of just his overall dry wit. and He was so truthful in saying yes, that's what happened. Yes, I did send that gift that he's talking about. Here it is. Because I thought I was going to say something like F the Padres or something yeah, like right. that. And, and it was hilarious. Uh, so I, I thought that was a bunch of nonsense to be quite honest.
2: Uh, we get one from Los Angeles. Uh, it's from Ahad who says this question's for all of you. Baseball economics have always fascinated me. How does a player's salary get adjusted once he's called up from the minor leagues? Does it just become prorated from the MLB minimum for however much time they spend in the big leagues? Or does a big league players uh, do big league players in general get a cut uh, and do they get a cut of jersey sales or whenever their likeness or profile is used as and like in video games. Thanks and keep up the great work. Ahad, I I would tell you that many guys that are kind of on the bubble between uh, the minor leagues and the big leagues, they get a split contract. They get paid a, a base salary. If they're in the minor leagues, and then once they get called up, they get bumped up, they get a raise up to the major league minimum. And let's use uh, Michael Harris, for example. I don't know what Michael's contract is, but we'll just speculate and say he was making X number of dollars uh, in A. When he gets called up to the big leagues, beginning that day, he makes the major league minimum for as long as he's here in the big leagues. If he gets sent down, he goes back to the old contract. Uh And that's for any player on a split contract.
1: Yeah, so it's it's days accumulated on... A big league roster that becomes the the figure that they work with, but that's what goes towards your um, uh, your, your your pension, your pension uh-huh. and, and goes to all that. Um, and, and I love how now Baseball Reference keeps up with all that. They they keep Me up too. with with uh, you know, the time you've accumulated on a major league roster, your service time, and I think that's really cool to know because those are you get some big marks along the way. Yeah, I mean, guys celebrate when they get to ten years of oh. service time of the big league. It's huge. It's huge. You've maxed out on your pension. Uh, the other question.
2: About about uniform sales likeness and all that i can't honestly say that i'm up to date on that kind of stuff but uh, i think in the past that money has all gone to the players association to be split evenly that was my recollection
1: if it's that way now I'm not sure. Well, I know that there have been occasions in the past where a player will change uniforms and they will have to buy back Mm -hmm. um, some of the, yeah, everything that had. Merchandise. When you think about what Dansby had, Mm -hmm. he went from Two to, two to seven, seven. Mm-hmm. and what he wanted to switch he had to buy out all of that merchandise that had two on there from what i understand yeah and i'm sure he'd be able to clear that up and give us a better answer than that but i know that's happened to multiple players before sure um, Yep. Yeah. you got one jc
3: yeah this comes from aaron two-parter since y'all are sitting in a dome stadium in arizona what's your favorite dome stadium past or present The second part, who was one player from the past you miss seeing play and would love to see suit up one more time? Love the podcast and love listening to you guys throughout the season.
1: Dome Stadium that we really like. Um, I like Seattle. I've only worked there one time, and I'm very excited to go back there in September, I think we're there. We had a pretty good time in Houston last year. Yeah. That was good.
2: We just came from Arlington earlier this year in their new ballpark.
1: Milwaukee. The Rangers. Yeah, beautiful park in Texas. We're about two miles above the plate. Well, I think
2: we'd, we liked all the amenities of Texas. Everything was good about it except our our catbird position. Uh, I think we might say the same thing about Miami. We're appreciative for the retractable roof so that we don't get rained out a lot. Uh, it's not high on my retractable roof stadium list. Um. This one is. This one. Yeah, it is a good one. I, I like it. I like because it doesn't sit like the rest of them. It sits at an angle, kind of, and... Um it's got great sight lines
1: it does this is a good one and we have a a great spot in our booth here uh, to watch the game there, there's not a single spot where we're blinded um looking all the way down the right and left field lines you can see the paint all the way down to the foul poles and you can't say that about every ballpark so and and pretty good one just so you guys know braves front office today offered to send us
3: helmets <laughs> if we need them I and, might I might take pieces. them up on that. Yeah. <laughs> I would say uh, my favorite Dome Stadium, I like all Dome Stadiums. We know we're going to play. We're going to be delay-free. It's climate-controlled. Yeah. So many factors are controlled. Uh, but if I had to pick just one Dome Stadium that I've been to and I've worked at that I like more than the rest, probably Tropicana Field in Tampa.
1: You do not. He, he said, I, I, I never believe you. Uh, this whole thing with the TROP thing, This has been going on for about five years. No joke, I like the TROP. <laughs> well, that makes one of us. What are you drinking back there? Yeah.
3: And then the second part of that was, who is one fly, uh, player from the past you miss play and would love to see suit up one more time? Say that again. One player from the past you miss seeing play and would love to see suit up one more time. Okay.
2: I think a lot of people would want to see chipper they'd love to see dale murphy from the modern era hank aaron would be right there near the top of the list Uh i don't know i don't know if the writer person who wrote the question wants to go that far back um, You know who I'd like to see play? I'd like to see Lou Gehrig play.
1: Yeah, because I was thinking I want to go with somebody that I've only read about or yeah. not anyone who I've seen, actually seen play. That- either, either
2: Lou Gehrig because he was so big and strong, but, you know, we've gotten so much history on Babe, but Lou is like an afterthought. Yeah. I'd love to see Lou... Play a game and have a good day to see how he hit. But I'd also like to see the best pitcher of that era. right? Whether right. it was Walter Johnson or whomever, to see how hard they throw and yeah. how good
1: they were funny you say that i was reading on the way to uh, the ballpark it was this day in baseball history that lou played in his 2000th consecutive game mm-hmm. uh, isn't it amazing that we actually saw that record broken in our lifetimes yeah cal Ripken jr yeah um, a player that i would choose if we're talking about people that we have seen play uh chipper's a good answer for me i just loved watching him break down and at bat and loved watching him play but if it's anybody all time um it, it's hard for me to not go with uh a a babe ruth or hank aaron or willie mays i I never or mickey mantle i mean any of those guys would be fine with me i've heard a million stories i never got to see any of them play in my lifetime so any of them would have been fine
3: i'd have to go uh del murphy uh just because it brings back so many good memories from my childhood growing up in the atlanta area in the 80s uh and i'll also throw greg maddox uh on there oh yeah watch maddox throw a you know complete game uh, you know with about 85 pitches in about two two hours hours
2: three minutes yeah right (laughs) here's a great question and this was more for our pal up here on the upper deck this is from scott straw of roswell georgia and it's a little lengthy but bear with us because it's worthwhile Uh, Great job on the radio broadcast. As an audio engineer, I have to give props for the great job that J. Chad does night after night, making you sound good while injecting field noise and other sounds at appropriate levels that complement the play-by-play and color commentary, but don't cover them up. Writing the faders. I, I know you know what that means, Jonathan. Writing the faders looks easy. But like a finely prepared cocktail, and we all know what that is, ensuring there is just enough of each of the diverse contents without letting one element dominate or another be lost in the mix is a true art. J. Chad does it well, consistently. Give him grief if you want, but hold on to him. He's a keeper. That's right. I thought that was really cool from somebody... That knows what Jonathan does and appreciates what he does.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, people get to hear what we do and, and hear what we prepare but a lot of what we prepare is something that was either passed to us by Jonathan or we found on our own. So Jay Chad gives us a lot of information and then he's back there working as hard as you and I are over the course of the game and um, it, we have such a good time in our roles and doing what we do and we couldn't do what we do without him, that's for sure. Let's see. I've got one from... Thanks
3: for the compliment, Scott. Um, You know his question going down a little bit farther he uh, said others have asked about accommodations for the talent and the other aspects of visiting radio booths when you're on the road I will ask about house audio feeds and other technical elements that make your job easier when you're on the road what are the usual provisions and standard items that uh, there are at stadiums that are better than others from a technical support and provision standpoint um Scott, I would you know say that it's pretty uniform across the league. There's something called a reciprocal agreement that every single stadium has to provide basically the same thing. So, for example, when we come to Arizona, there are certain things they have to have in this booth to uh, make our broadcast sound better. Uh, we broadcast um, via IP, which is just over the Internet. Uh, but then I'll have uh, feeds of the bat crack that you hear uh, or the mip pop. Uh, I put my own crowd mics out. I have to feed MLB uh, our audio every night, so if you're watching the highlight shows on MLB Network, that's where that comes from. Uh, I'll get a PA feed, so if we were ever to uh, play uh, God Bless America or the National Anthem or something like that, that's pipe from the house and then of course I put it into our mixer. So it's pretty normal everywhere we go. Uh, it's the same across the board Uh, there are some places that are wired differently than others and uh, there are some that are easier to work at uh, than others one thing that's new this year some stadiums are doing and others are not when um, there's a replay and the umpire comes on the microphone his microphone to explain the outcome of the review Uh, there's some stadiums now that have a direct feed from that umpire's mic to our booth that i can then put into our mix uh, but if, there's, if that's not provided, then it would just come over the PA and we'd take that. So uh, to answer your question, I know that was long-winded, but it's pretty uniform across the board every stadium we go to that they all have to provide the same thing. And as we learned
2: this week, it might be a good idea in some cases for the umpires' audio to be on a on delayed just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when they forget to turn their mic off. Was it Tom, Tom Hallyon? Yeah. Halyon. Ow. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, Ah, here we go. Here we go. I got one. Blake from Minnesota. All right. And I think we can all answer this maybe in different ways. But uh, Blake wants to know, guys, love the podcast. My wife and I are planning on being in Chicago next month for the Cubs series. And I was wondering if you guys had any food slash experience recommendations that are a must before leaving town. Thanks again, and go Braves.
1: Blake from Minnesota. Where do you like to go eat in Chicago, boys? Oh, uh, we, we got us a reservation for one of my favorites in Gibson. So we'll be there one of those nights and that's the cool thing about chicago is you can go sample three or four different places because you're playing day games every day that's true
3: Gibson's. uh, I like Rosebud. It's not far from where we are.
1: Yeah, yeah, Rosebud's great.
3: There's plenty of places you can get some pizza if that's what you want. Uh, There's another steakhouse. I think it's called Chicago Cut. Uh, It's pretty good. And Lowry's. Lowry's is another good one. Uh, But I think if I had to just choose one that I know I'm going to get a consistent, good experience at every single time with a great atmosphere, uh, it would be Gibson's. Yeah, take your your paycheck.
1: We're in Washington (laughs) the three or four days before that. I'm crushing cardio the whole time we're in Washington because I'm going to be a (laughs) big old fat boy when we get to Chicago. I promise you that. How about one more? All right. Oh, I thought that no. meant that you had one. Now, how about one more from Ben? Gotcha. All right. Uh, let's see here. Dear Ben, Joe, and Jay, Chad, I am 26 years old from Atlanta, but have lived in Vermont for the last six years. I've been listening to Braves baseball on the radio ever since I can remember and have been loving every episode of From the Braves booth. One of the many reasons I listen religiously is because I love when Joe exclaims, woo in the microphone. Did I do that right? Yeah. Uh, he sounds exactly like my grandfather at my baseball game. Growing up, it makes me smile every time. Question: How do you pull up historical records on baseball qualifiers/factoids so quickly during a broadcast? Is it someone's job to figure out the last time the Braves got four hits in a row at home with runners in scoring position, two outs on a Sunday, etc.? I've always wondered who is looking up these things and what database is used. Thanks for bringing the game to my home each night. Keep it up. That's from Adam. That's a very good question, Adam. Wonderful. I, we we pull that stuff from all sorts of places, and when you have a game every single day look we play 162 games we usually play about 30 spring training games you get very used to knowing where to go for your information when we get here every day we have game notes from both teams the diamondbacks media relations uh, presents game notes for us tonight so do the braves they have all sorts of information in there on different players trends uh, teams etc we also have information that we get from people that we know. Joe, you, you do a great job of that. I know we have lots of people that we know in the organization that might be elsewhere covering the minors, etc. They're quick to send us a scouting report. Um, I go to Baseball Reference for lots of trends. If I'm looking at, let's say, for instance, uh, Charlie Morton's going tonight. And let's say that in his last five starts he's been significantly better. I can go there and use some of the tools that they have to isolate the last five starts, get the accumulation of his numbers, and boom, there's that. So we just get so used to knowing where to go and to Two, Jay Chad will find something uh, throughout a ball game. He'll slide it our way, and the three of us are able to kind of work like a well-oiled machine, knowing where we get our information and what's interesting and what needs to go out over the air.
2: Yeah, Ben and Jonathan are really good and well-equipped to do that sort of thing. Um, this is going to come as a surprise to the writer, and that is that I'm a dinosaur, um, and... <laughs> I know. I know. Just, I am. You're a good dinosaur. Um, so, Because I'm probably the only guy left in broadcasting baseball that doesn't use a computer. Uh, I I do use my telephone. I'll go to baseball reference if I need to look up something on a pitcher and uh, little things like that. But I, I don't put my head on a computer I'd rather watch the game because my job is primarily to see what's going on and then comment on it. Ben is great. If I'm doing my two innings of play-by-play and something comes up, he can find it uh, with a snap of the finger. He or Jonathan, either one, if I need something. But uh, I'm just one of those guys that never really wanted to rely on the computer. I'd rather just watch the game. And I appreciate those who can find the stuff like our two guys.
1: Yeah, it's fun to – I don't know how guys used to do it because I'm so used to now – if I have a question, if I don't look up a number, boom, click it up on the computer, find it. Back in the day, you didn't have that, and well, that's I don't know how guys kept up with all well, that that's stuff.
2: That's what's cool when you ask me about playing against Joe Adcock back in the 50s. I can <laughs> I can come right up right up with something for you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, it's it's fun as always as we're doing our show right now and wrapping up. There's some guys in the cage. For the Diamondbacks taking BP, the gates have not opened here yet, but uh, they'll be opening up soon. I know that you have to interview Snit coming up here in a little while. Yep. So we're going to wrap things up, but as always, we appreciate you all being out there. Our email address is bravesbooth at gmail.com. Don't forget to tune in tonight. Braves and the Diamondbacks game two in this series and as far as the rest of the road trip goes here Wednesday for a day game tomorrow and then we'll be in Denver for four Thursday through Sunday and then next Monday, our first off day by that time, I think it's 17 days. Right. Looking forward to that and hopefully we can finish up strong here on this road trip that'll wrap things up for us for joe for j chad i'm ben you've been inside the braves booth